All right, I want to continue the series um, that we're talking about, Elevate, Breaking Through to New Levels in Life. And this will be the last level we talk about. We'll do it for four weeks, and we'll talk about how to go to a new level in the area of fun. We've already talked about going to a new level in faith, family, freedom, and finances. Now, can I ask you something? Would it be all right to go to another level in the area of fun? Would that be all right with you? All right, turn to two passages of Scripture, James chapter 5 and 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll begin at James 5, and then we'll flip over to 1 Kings chapter 19. So you can put a marker there so you can flip very quickly. God is the one that invented fun. I want you to know that. God created fun, and Satan perverted it. Satan tells you that you'll have fun if you do certain things. And those are things that will actually steal your joy and eventually kill you. God wanted you to have fun. God invented fun. God invented joy. He created this world for joy. The only reason he created the stars were for you to enjoy them. The reason he created mountains was so you could ski down them. That's it. Look at them, enjoy them, climb them, and ski them. There's no other reason to create mountains other than for you. He created this world as a present for you. For you to enjoy. It's okay if you enjoy things. He wants you to enjoy this life. Satan doesn't want you to enjoy it. And here's the first way that he, he takes away our joy. And this is what we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about dealing with discouragement. Because what Satan tries to do is discourage you. And once he gets you discouraged, he's stolen your joy. And when he steals your joy, you don't have fun anymore. And let me tell you what the word discourage means. So many times we don't look at the root of a word. If you just look at the root of the word, you could figure out what it means. Discouragement has a prefix and a suffix on it. Okay? Now, I know some of you blank out on me. Like you did last week when I talked about math. And you do the same thing when I talk about English. But uh, discouragement has a, a starting phrase and an ending phrase, all right? A prefix and a suffix. Take those away and you'll find the root of the word. What is the root of the word discouragement? Courage. And the word dis or the prefix dis means to take out. That's what it means. In, by the way, means to put in. E-N means to put in. So to encourage someone means to put courage in the person. That's what happens. Every time you encourage your wife or your son or your daughter, anytime you say anything encouraging, you're putting courage in that person. Is that good? But anytime you say anything discouraging, you're taking courage out. And that's what the enemy does. He comes to discourage you. You're going to to get sick. You're going to die early. You're going to lose your marriage. You're, you're, you're going to lose your business. All of these things, he's trying to take courage out of you. And once he gets you to lose your courage, he's got you to lose your joy. You cannot be discouraged and be happy. You can't. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at a man that got discouraged who was a great man of God. James chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible is so wonderful to tell us this. Elijah was a man with a superhuman nature unlike yours. It's not a different version I'm reading. I'm just trying to see if you're awake. Is that what the Bible says? No, he was just a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So he did some supernatural things, but he was natural. 
He did supernatural things because he, because he had a relationship with a supernatural God, but he was natural. It is amazing that we somehow think that Elijah had some advantage that we don't have. Do you know it's exactly the opposite? We have an advantage that Elijah didn't have. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send him. It's going to be better for you that I'm not living on this earth. You're going to be able to do more miracles than if Jesus himself were living on the earth. Because I'm going to send someone that's not just going to be in one city at one time. I'm going to send someone that will be all over the world in, in the hearts of people. It's incredible. So we actually have an advantage Elijah didn't have. I just want you to know that. And he had a nature just like ours, which means that he could get discouraged. And he did. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to show you how Elijah got discouraged and how God himself dealt with this discouragement. This is the formula for dealing with discouragement and it comes from God. There was no one one else around to encourage or put courage back in Elijah except God. He's the only one that was there. So this is how God deals with it. Now, you have to understand that Elijah is coming off of a great victory. He, He has made a prophecy in chapter 17 that it's not going to rain until he says... And, and it didn't. And it went three years and six months. And then it rained. But at the end of this time, in chapter 18, he, he gathers all the false prophets together. 450 of Baal, 400 of Asherah, 850 false prophets. And he says, you guys build an altar, I'll build an altar. And you pray and I'll pray. And the God that answers with fire is the true God. And they did it for all day. And then when the evening sacrifice came, Elijah poured, got water, dug a trench around his altar and poured water all over it until it ran off and filled up the, the trenches. And then said, God, now to show that you're God and that I'm your man, send fire from heaven. And fire came down and licked up all of the water in the ditch, all of the, the sacrifice, the wood, the animal, and get this, even the stones. That's pretty good fire. Elijah calls down fire from heaven. I just want to just tell you something about that. That would be fun. (laughs) Would you agree with that? That was fun. So he was having fun. And he was having a great day. And look what happens the next day. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, when he read the message, he arose and ran for his life. This is a great man of God. And went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now he goes alone. He gets alone. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And said, it's enough now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Now listen, when you pray to die, you're not having a good day. He's had a great day, and then he follows that day with a horrible day. This is a man of God who gets discouraged. Now, what's incredible is what follows. Because God himself deals with the discouragement and puts this man of God back on track for the rest of his life. And he's a, he continues to be a great man of God. But he has a low time. Anybody here ever had low time? It's not fun. You don't have fun when you're in low time. 
So how does God, what does God desire to do for us when we're discouraged? Here's the first thing. God desires to refresh you. God desires to refresh you. Okay, we left off of verse 4. Look at verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake. I want you to notice the word cake is in the Bible. (laughs) Baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back to him the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. And when he it went, and then he went in the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now, Elijah is physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually drained. He didn't just, he didn't just do this great thing of calling down fire from heaven. It's been three and a half years of incredible, intense warfare. For three and a half years, he has been the, uh, by word are, are the enemy of the whole nation of Israel because he said it's not going to rain till I say. Nobody liked him. And for three and a half years, he has been doing what God told him to do and everybody's mad at him. So he's, he, hadn't, he didn't just have just one day that was physically draining. He had three and a half years that was physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually draining because we just read in James 5 that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain for three years and six months. He prayed every day. He prayed every day and gave himself emotionally to this situation. And then it culminates with this big situation in chapter 18 about calling down fire from heaven. And then the enemy through a person attacks him. Listen very carefully to me. The enemy attacked him when he was doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. You need to hear this because some of you here are actually living for God, really living for God, and you can't figure out why you're under such an attack. And you don't understand because you're really going for God. And as a matter of fact, you're, you're really, really pressing into God more than you've ever pressed in before. And you can't figure out why the enemy is attacking you so much. And by the way, I want you to notice that the enemy of the, the attack of the enemy came through a person. This happens constantly. You can't get mad at the person. Because it wasn't the person that was attacking Elijah. It was the enemy that was attacking him. But the enemy attacked him when he was tired. And so God now says, I got to take care of this because this guy is so discouraged, he wants to die. Yeah, I mean, he wants to die. So I'm going to take care of this myself. So here's the first thing that he did. He refreshed him. Now, listen to me carefully. This is absolutely amazing to me. God didn't even speak to him until he was physically refreshed. I'm telling you, you need to understand this because some of you feel like, God, you need to speak to me. You need to speak. You need to speak. You're not speaking. Why won't you? I can't get a word from God. I can't hear God. I can tell you why you can't hear God. You're too tired. You're too tired. Let me just give you an example. Have you ever tried to talk to a tired child? There's no rhyme or reason, right? What do you say to that child? You go take a nap. You are, you are fussy. You are too fussy. You go take a nap. I'm wondering if there are times when we say, God, I need you to talk to me. And God says, no, you need a nap. <laughs> you just need a nap, buddy. I, I like this passage of scripture. I'm telling you, this is the Bible. Here's what the Bible tells me that I need to do right now. I know I need to do it. I need to take a nap and eat some cake. 
This the Bible. This this God's word. Some of you are going to memorize this scripture. The Bible says, and I've told you this before, this is the original angel food cake right here. It's good stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you another word that we use a lot, and again, we don't think about it because we don't think of the origin of the word. It has a prefix and it has a suffix on it. I want, to ta- I want you to take the prefix and the suffix off and figure it out. You're going to absolutely be blown away by this word. The word is recreation. The prefix would be re. The suffix would be shun. So the root of the word recreation would be create. Create. When you recreate, you actually recreate yourself. Bet you've never heard a pastor say this. God wants you to recreate. God God is a God of recreation. Don't tell me He's not. If you're here today and you've been born again, you're a new creation. God likes to create and God likes to recreate. Now let's just pronounce that the way we say. God likes to recreate. God likes it. He created it. The, Satan's the one that, that uh, um, perverted it. God is the one that purified it. God wants you. God wants you to recreate. Isn't this great? This is great. God wants me to take naps, eat cake, and play golf. <laughs> he wants me to. It's okay. And you know what happens every time we do it? We feel guilty. Because there's something else we should be doing. No, the best thing you could do is stay physically refreshed so you can do what God wants you to do. It is the best thing you could do. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you could do is take a nap. It's the most spiritual thing you could do is just take a nap. Tell your kids, I'm going to go spend some quiet time. (laughs) And go in and let it get real quiet. Here's the second thing God desires to do when we're discouraged. God desires to listen to you. Now, we always talk about you need to talk to God. You do. But I want you to understand something. God actually wants to hear you talk. He wants to listen to you. Look at verse 9. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. Now watch what he says. And they seek to take my life. I'm surprised God didn't say, well, that's what you wanted anyway. (laughs) I mean, he asked me to kill you. Whether they kill you or I kill you, dead's dead. What's it matter to you? But he didn't. He wasn't sarcastic with him because he understood he was discouraged right now. But he wanted him to talk. Do you realize how this conversation started? You know how this conversation started? God asked him a question. If you'll study your Bible, God asks questions all through the Bible. Why? Because he wants you to talk to him. He starts conversations that way. God asked Adam, where are you? You think God didn't know where Adam was? No, Adam didn't know where Adam was. He asked Adam so Adam could talk because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the way we communicate with God is through our heart, from our heart, but it's through our mouth. 
God wanted Adam to say what was in his heart so God could deal with it and help him get out of the situation. He asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? You think Jesus didn't know who they said he was? He knew. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to mouth it, to say it. He asked Paul when he met him on the road to Damascus, his name was Saul at that time. Saul, Saul, he starts the conversation with a question. Why are you persecuting me? Do you know why he wanted him, why he wanted to do that? Because he wanted Paul, who was going to write one third of the New Testament, to get the revelation that when you persecute a Christian, a believer in Jesus, you persecute Jesus. And by the way, if you read the New Testament, the one that had the greatest revelation that believers are the body of Christ is the Apostle Paul. You know why? Because he had a question asked him by God. Why are you persecuting me? Paul thought, well, I'm not persecuting you, I'm persecuting Christians. Ah, got it. And then in every one of his writings, he talks about the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. It's incredible. Because God just asked him a question. Now, I'm going to tell you something again that maybe you've never heard a pastor say. I already told you God wants you to eat cake and recreate. Okay? So I'm going to tell you something else. It's okay to gripe to God. I didn't say gripe about him. I didn't say gripe at him. I said gripe to him. Listen, it is okay. Do you know how I know it's okay to gripe to God? Just read this book. It is full of people griping to God. Every chapter, somebody's griping to him. Every book of the Bible, somebody's griping to him. Gripe, 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 gripe. Here's the incredible thing. God is so secure, it does not rattle him when you gripe. Doesn't rattle him at all. He's secure. You know, Elijah said, I'm the only one left. God went like this. I know that's what you think. God came back and told him it's not right. Let me just readjust your thinking, son. It is okay to gripe to God. Why? Because God wants to hear your heart. You're never going to get past being discouraged and go to a new level, an area of joy and fun, unless you'll tell God what's going on in your life. You've got to tell him. You've got to talk to him. He wants to listen to you. Here's the third thing. God desires to talk to you. He desires to talk to you. 1 Kings 19, verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. If you want to hear the still, small voice, you're going to have to sit still through the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. In other words, you're going to have to slow down to hear God. If you want to go to a new level in the area of joy, you're going to have to hear God. You're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to get refreshed physically. You're going to have to talk to Him, and you're going to have to listen to Him. And then these three things happen before He speaks. Now, what's amazing is that nothing in the Bible is uh, coincidental. Everything in the Bible has a purpose. There are all these types and shadows and symbols and analogies in the Bible. And this is one of them. A wind represents a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. When you hear the wind, you hear a move. There's a move of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me carefully. It is extremely possible to have a great move of God and get discouraged. That's what happened with Elijah. He had a great move of God and went to the lowest place in his life. Was at the highest place and the next day went to the lowest place. When you're doing something for the kingdom, you better take time to slow down and talk to God. 
Because you can get so busy. Listen, if the devil can't stand in front of you and stop you, he will get behind you and push you. So you better slow down even when you're in a great move of God and allow God to speak to you. That's what the wind represents. A mighty move of the Holy Spirit. The earthquake represents God's dealings in our lives in the area of shaking everything around us that is unstable. He's going to shake everything around you that's unstable so that one thing will stand above everything else, and that's your relationship with God. That's the only thing that can't be shaken. The only thing that can't be shaken is anything that's built on God because God can never be shaken. Hebrews 11 tells us very clearly God's going to shake everything. He's going to shake everything so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. And it comes right out of talking about the church, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Have you ever gone through a time when it seemed like everything around you was shaken and even people around you that you thought were very stable started falling? And what happens is you say, God, you're the only one. I, I stand with you. I stand on you and, and your principles and your relation, my relationship with you. And then the third thing is a fire, and that's purifying. It's when God begins to burn dross out of your life and burn things out of your life that, that are, are not good for you. And it's a purifying, and God does a purifying in all of our hearts. But you have to go through these things to be able to hear the still, small voice. And then God speaks. And when God speaks, it's wonderful. Listen to me. If you're discouraged, you need a word from God. You need to hear what God says. And the enemy wants to take advantage of all of these things. Luke 5, verse 15. Jesus himself says, talking about Jesus. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So, we need to watch these little words in the Bible. So, because of this happening, this great success in ministry, he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Often. Let me just let me just ask something. If Jesus needed to withdraw often because of the success of ministry, how much more do we need to? Often, not, not, you know, not once a year, often he needed to get away and just spend some time with the Lord because the more he ministered, the more people that came, the more draining it was to him. Even, even when he healed one lady, the Bible says virtue went out of him. If virtue, strength, power leaves Jesus when someone gets ministered to, you don't think it leaves you when you minister? So you got to often withdraw and spend time with God. And here's the fourth thing God desires to do for us to take us to a new level and get us out of discouragement. God desires to give you some friends. God desires to refresh you. He desires to listen to you. He desires to talk to you. And he desires to give you some friends. First Kings 19 verse 18. Remember, Elijah said, I'm the only one left. God said, I've reserved 7,000 more. 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah, you're not the only one. But the enemy has got you thinking you're the only one. Listen to me very carefully. This is why church is so important. If the lion can get you separated as a sheep from the flock, he's got you. If All of us are sheep. Is that right? Which sheep does the lion catch? The one that's on the edge. I'm telling you, you're a sheep, and the best thing you could do is get right in the middle of the flock. Excuse me, 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 excuse me. And just stand right there in the middle. And if the middle moves, just move with it. And stay as close in relationship to the body of Christ as you can. This is why we beg you to get in a small group. 
It's why we beg you to get in a small group. Because you're going to have to have a group of people around you that can love you, pray for you, help you, and rebuke the enemy for you for your behalf. You're going to have to. He said, Elijah, you're, you're mixed up in your thinking. That's why you're discouraged. I got 7,000 others. And then God, in his grace, does something wonderful. He says, I know you're lonely. I know you're tired. So I'm going to send you someone that's going to walk with you for the rest of your life. And he sent Elisha. Someone like him that would walk with him for the rest of his life. He was there until Elijah went to be with the Lord. And Elijah even tried to get him to leave several times. He said, I'm not leaving you. I'm not leaving you. He stayed with him. Do you know God delights in giving lifelong friends? Obviously, if you're married, that's your first lifelong friend. And your most important, your spouse. The person that will stand by you no matter what. But I'm telling you, God wants to give you other friends that will stand with you. I have lifelong friends. Lifelong friends. And no matter what I'm going through, I can say... This is what I'm going through right now. As the pastor of this church, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up, I'm tired, I'm discouraged, I'm afraid, I'm upset. I, I, I just got to tell you guys. And they say, great, let's help you. Let's take care of you. Whatever we need to do, we'll take care of you. Hey, that's wonderful. Is that not good? Everybody needs that. You got to have them. It's all through Scripture. God delights in relationship. You get strong by being in relationship. You get strong by allowing people to minister to you and help you. Let me show you one more scripture. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas, this is Paul speaking, to preach Christ's gospel. And a door was opened to me by the Lord. Before we go on, just want to make sure who opened the door. The Lord. And why did he open the door? It says it right before, right after the word Troas. To preach the gospel, right? So the Lord opened a door for Paul to preach the gospel in a city. Verse 13, I had no rest in my spirit because, you got to watch the little words like so and because, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Okay. I had a lady come up to me after one of the services last night and said, I read that months ago and I've been trying to figure it out. I've been trying to ask God what it meant and I saw it tonight for the first time. It, it, the Bible tell you if you just read the becauses, they're really good. Here's what happened. Paul was on a missionary journey, and Titus was supposed to meet him there. And when he got there, he noticed that God had opened the door. And he, he could go in and preach the gospel, and they would receive it. And he waited and waited and waited, and Titus got delayed and didn't show up. So because he didn't have his team with him, and he was all by himself, he left. Because he had learned not to go minister without a team. Do you know why, how he learned that? Everywhere Paul went, there was a church planted. Every city, we have record, that there was a church planted where Paul went except one. It was Athens. Do you know what happened in Athens? He went by himself. It was the only city he went to without his team. And he preached one of the greatest messages in the Bible. You can read it in Acts 17. He preached a message that we actually got a song from about 30 years in the body, ago in the body of Christ. Someone wrote a song taking a line out of his message, a few lines. You might even remember the song. It's, it was called, In Him We Live and Move and Have Our Being. That's a, that is, that's from Paul's sermon at Athens. So he preached a good message, preached a good sermon, but because he didn't have a team, no church ever formed there. But everywhere else he went and took his team. So here he comes to Troas, God opens the door and his team doesn't show up. So he said, I'm not going without a team. 
Because I could preach the best message in the world and nothing would happen. It's not how good my sermons are. It's what God does through a team. Do you realize Jesus, when he sent out the disciples, never sent them out alone? He always sent them out, how? Two by two. two. Always. You cannot accomplish the call of God on your life by yourself. You need a team. Paul understood this. And here's what gets people to say, well, I just can't believe God opened a door for him and he didn't walk through. Do you realize on his next missionary journey, he went to Troas? On his next one, he went and you say, well, but he should have gone when God opened the door. No, he shouldn't. Because when God opens the door, it never shuts. Revelation 2, just read it. Jesus said, I got the keys and when I open doors, nobody can shut them. Nobody can shut a door I open. And nobody can open a door I shut because I'm the only one that's got the keys. Here's what Paul knew. Jesus has the keys. Doors open. It's open. (laughs) And I'll come back with my team and do it God's way. And there'll be a church there. You, you, You can't do this alone. Do you understand? You can't just attend Gateway Church on weekends and not get involved somehow in some ministry, in some small group. You're, if you just attend on weekends, you'll grow a little bit. If you, if you get involved, you'll grow a lot. Please, 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 please get involved. Okay, if you want to go to a new level in the area of fun, the first thing you have to do is get past discouragement. And here's how you get past discouragement. And this is God's formula. I didn't make this up. We'd, all we did was read 1 Kings 19 and apply the, what he did. You're going to have to get refreshed because some of you are really tired. Some of you are discouraged simply because you're tired. You're going to have to get refreshed. You're going to have to talk to him. You're going to have to listen to him. And you're going to have to get involved with some other folks. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.